You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Well, good morning, welcome. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm thrilled and I just wanna take a quick second and thank the elders for giving me the opportunity to come and speak to you today. So we're at the tail end, if you've been following along, of our series, Differently the Same, looking at our core values that we have here at Mosaic of worship, community, and mission, and how they remain the same, even as the times around us change, right? I don't know what your life looks like today in 2021, right? But I bet it looks a little different than it did three years ago, right? Things have really changed. And so we're looking at how even in the midst of all that, even in the midst of all the difference, there's still the same call to be in community, worship, and mission. And today is our second week of looking at the core value of mission through the life of prophet Elijah. And we're gonna continue that in 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, I don't know if that triggers any bells for you, but it's actually a pretty well-known passage, a pretty dramatic passage in the Bible, actually, where Elijah faces off against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. All right, and if you recall from last week, Israel's actually under the rule of a pretty rebellious king. The people have once again fallen into idolatry, worshiping false idols. And as a result, right, Elijah went to King Ahab and said, it's not gonna rain until I say, not even dew on the ground. So where we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 18 is three years later, it hasn't rained, there's been no dew, there's a severe famine in the land, and Elijah has gathered King Ahab, the prophets of Baal, the people of Israel, on Mount Carmel. Because, God sent him there, because truth has gotten, I would say a little bit, but I think it's been severely muddled, right? It's hard to know what is truth, what God is God, who is real, right? Who do you do? Who do I do? You do you, I do me, right? And so God is saying and telling Elijah, I need you to go bring some clarity to this. And so he issues a challenge and he says, okay, you call on your God. I'll call on my God and we'll see who's really God by who can send fire down from heaven. God wins, of course, right? We knew that. He does, he always does. The people see truth, they fall on their face, they repent and the rain finally comes. Now, again, I don't know where you are today, but fire falling from heaven, making people to see truth and repent sounds really kind of cool, right? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome, right? I mean, let me ask you this. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have actually tried to share truth recently about anything, okay? And how many of you have shared that with someone who doesn't already know that truth? How did that go, right? Right? How how did that Facebook feed look when you were done, right? Not well, except that y'all, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. This is our mission, right? Are we not actually called to do what Elijah did? Are we not called on mission? Are we not commissioned to go into all the world to preach truth, to make disciples, right? To bring clarity around who God is. Yeah? Our mission? Should we choose to accept it? (laughs) Right? 
I mean, talk about an impossible mission, right? Mission Impossible is way more fun at the movies than it is in real life. But as God's people, this is where we're called. We are called to bring clarity of truth. Now, we don't actually have Ethan Hunt to help us, but we do have Elijah. We do have 1 Kings 18. And so we're gonna look at this passage this morning, all right? And we're gonna take a closer look at what for some of us is a familiar story. And we're gonna see how it is that we can do more than just sort of be awed by a miracle. Right? How is it that we actually participate in that miracle? How is it and how does a mission that is so impossible become possible for us in 2021? In a word, service, right? Service. And we're gonna ask ourselves some questions today and they're gonna seem familiar, right? We're gonna look at whether we serve, whom we serve, and how we serve, and you're like, yeah, well, I mean, we've kind of sort of done this before. Okay, sure. Have we been calling down fire from heaven? I mean, if you have, it's okay. I won't be offended if you leave, right? <laughs> Go ahead, all right? But if you're kind of still curious how we can do and bring about clarity in a world where truth has never been more elusive. Y'all, we don't even agree on facts anymore, right? We used to sort of just disagree about our beliefs. Like now, and as a lawyer, this is like traumatizing for me because we can argue about what the facts mean, but we all sort of have a baseline. We don't even have that, right? So how is it in this environment, right, that we're gonna bring any kind of clarity to what the truth is, all right? But that's what we're gonna look at this morning through the lens, and again, we're gonna start with whether we serve. We see this choice at the very beginning of chapter 18, verses one and two. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. I know it doesn't seem like there's much of a choice here, right? The word of the Lord that came to Elijah sounds more like a directive, a command to go. But the question is one that Elijah actually has to ask himself. It's an internal question. Do I heed the call? Do I go where God is sending me to go? Now that's not always an easy decision. I know there's no pause in between verse one and verse two. God says go, right? Elijah goes, but we're gonna take a second and we're gonna pause and we're gonna appreciate what exactly it was that God was asking Elijah to do and where he was sending him. So a couple things we need to know. He said, go and present yourself to Ahab, all right? Well, the first thing we need to know is Ahab is not Elijah's biggest fan. It hasn't rained in three years. There's a severe famine in the land, right? And Ahab is the king, but he's running all over the land trying to find just a little bit of water to keep his animals alive. And guess whose fault it is? In his mind, it's Elijah's, right? King, King Ahab is not okay. You know who is okay? Elijah, right? Okay, he's doing just fine. So yes, there's a famine in the land, but God has been providing and taking care of him actually supernaturally so, right? He's been fed by ravens, birds have brought him food, and then when the brook dried up, God sends him to a widow, and now we've got never-ending jars of oil and flour. I mean, it's not paradise, but comparatively speaking, he's doing all right, Okay, so when God comes to Elijah and says, hey, Elijah, I want you to go present yourself to Ahab, he's saying, hey, Elijah, I want you to leave your safe spiritual bubble 
where I'm taking care of all your needs, and I want you to go show your face to a king who may or may not want to do you some bodily harm. Yeah, okay? So God says go, and this is probably not Elijah's favorite thing that he wants to do. It's probably not on a top 10 list of things that he wishes God would ask him, and that's the crux of it for us, right? We learned last week that as Christians, we are ascent people. God is ascending God. And that means when we ask ourselves whether we will serve, what we're asking ourselves is whether we will serve where God is sending us. And that makes it a little bit tougher, right? Because there's something that we all have today I'm just gonna call them preferences, right? We have preferences. We have things we would rather do and see and places we would rather be. And maybe it even happens with service. Now, I have all the preferences in all the world. And so once upon a time, I thought I would just help God out, right? I'm just gonna share my preferences with you. I know I need to serve. So let me just tell you how this is gonna go, Lord. Okay, so this was the conversation looked like this. Dear God, I know I need to serve. I'm willing to serve. I'm happy to serve. You know what I really like? I love kids. I love working with kids. I'm just, it's just natural. It comes, it's comfortable for me. You should send me to work with kids. You know what? You know what's not comfortable for me, Jesus? working with people who are not kids, okay? So, and and just to be clear, that's teenagers, college students, adults of any kind, including women and senior citizens. You should probably not send me there. Okay, so fast forward to today. I've been a youth pastor, a college professor, spent a summer working at a retirement home and served in women's ministry here at Mosaic for a number of years. And at first, as I'm watching this unfold over the years, I'm thinking, God is simply just letting me know that I don't get to tell him what I will and I won't do. Except really what God was showing me, right, is that if I go where he sends me, there's nothing I can't do right? There's no mission that's impossible, all right? So when we look at Elijah, right, it may not have been his preference. He was doing just fine, right? It wasn't comfortable. It took effort. It took sacrifice and some risk, but here's what he knew, all right? He went because even though he was fine, he knew that the rest of the nation was starving, Look at what God said when he sent him to Ahab. And he said, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. God wanted more than just to provide for Elijah. He wanted to provide for an entire nation. He wants more than just to provide for you and me. He wants to provide for an entire nation, an entire world. And if we want to see the impossible happen in 2021, if we really want to see truth actually pierce hearts and change lives, then we're gonna have to decide whether we serve where he's sending us to serve, whether we go where he's sending us to go. And that choice, right, actually depends on the second choice that we have to make right? And that choice we see in verses 19 and 20, and that's whom we serve. Elijah has met up with Ahab at this point, picking it up in 19. He says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal 
and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel, assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel, and Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? But the people said nothing. Y'all, the notion that truth is relative, right? And that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth is not a novel phenomenon, right? Now we may have polished it and perfected it a little bit here, okay? But the you do you has been around for a really long time, right? The people that Elijah was sent to didn't like exclusive truth claims any more than people today do. And you know, the problem with the people of Israel wasn't that they weren't serving God, it's that they were also serving Baal and they refused to choose between the two, right? But Elijah knew that the people couldn't have it both ways. Look at how he asked them. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? In another translation, that word is falter. How long will you falter? In Hebrew, the word means to limp or halt or hop or dance back and forth. And so he's saying, how long are you gonna hobble back and forth? between serving two gods. Crickets, they didn't answer. Verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut, into, cut it into pieces and put on the wood, but not set it on fire. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set it on fire. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now I want us to see why it is that Elijah was pushing the people to choose whom to serve. If the Lord's God, serve him. If Baal's God, serve him. It's because Elijah knew there was only one truth. There was only one God. And he also knew that the success of his mission depended upon him making the right choice about whom he served. He wasn't the only prophet in 1 Kings 18 on mission. There were 450 prophets of Baal who were sent to Mount Carmel to do exactly the same thing that God called him to do, to show the people the truth of who God was. Both responded to the call, right? Both were willing to serve, right? And we'll see in a little bit that both were passionate and dedicated in their service and willing to sacrifice. The only difference between the two was whom they served. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of the Lord your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given to them and they prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response, no one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said, surely he is God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's busy or he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and just needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued in their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
Their mission was to call down fire from heaven. All the passion, all the effort, dedication, sacrifice in the world wasn't enough for that mission to succeed. But Elijah did, right? Not only that, he wasn't worried about the impossibility of the mission. He was vastly outnumbered. It was 450 to one. He even let them go first. And then when it was his turn, he's like, you know what? Let's just make this more impossible, right? Let's just see how hard we can make it. Verse 30, then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him and he, listen to this, because we'll come back to this. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two says of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it on the wood, and then he said to them, fill four jars of water. What is it we haven't seen a whole lot of in three years, right? Right, what have we haven't seen? He's saying, fill four jars of water and pour it on the offering of the wood. And don't just do it once, do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he said, he ordered. And they did it a third time. And water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, so that these people will know, Lord, that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Elijah wasn't concerned about the impossibility of the mission because he knew that he knew that he knew whom he served. And even the most impossible of missions, even the one facing us today, becomes possible when we know that we serve a true God and not a false God. Verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, the Lord, he is God. Listen, none of us like to talk about idolatry. The whole idea sounds a little antiquated and we can have a tendency as Christians to think we're not affected by it, right? Because we serve the one true God, right? We recognize Jesus as God's son, that he was sent to save us. But listen, Israel was God's people too. Remember, the problem wasn't that they weren't serving God, it's that they were serving God and also serving Baal and refused to choose between the two, right? And if you're wondering whether idolatry really is something we have to deal with, well, let's look at the fact that you cannot open a book in the Old Testament, all right? And I challenge the first service and I challenge you, please try this, right? Find a book in the Old Testament that does not deal with the issue of idolatry in God's people, Okay, and I'm not a Bible scholar, but I'm pretty sure that God would not waste more than half of the Bible on an issue that doesn't pertain to his people. I'm pretty sure he saw that one coming, right? Because we were created, we were designed, right, to worship, and it is supposed to be God at the center and nothing else. When Jesus was asked in the New Testament what the greatest commandment was, he strikes right at the heart of this and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all. It's not some or part 
or even most. It's all and anything else is idolatry. So if God's not at the center, or if he's at the center and sharing space with something or someone else along with him, because this is not a yes and kind of situation, right? All right, then it's idolatry. And we are wavering between two opinions as much as the people of Israel were in 1 Kings 18. And some idols are easier to spot. In fact, we like to point those out because we feel like those are not ours, right? And so we think of things like money and fame and maybe career, but the reality is that the idols in our life can be way more subtle and even noble. They can be really good things, God-given things, our families, right? Um, Our spouses, they can be, maybe it's the causes that we minister for, right? God gave us those things, but he never intended for them to be at the center, right? Israel's other gods may have been more obvious than ours, but it doesn't mean that we don't have them. So I preached my first sermon in 2005, back when I was a youth pastor, doing that thing with teenagers that I thought I couldn't do, right? And I had no idea that I was called to speak or preach or teach the word of God, right? My pastor was out of town. He was like, hey, teen, you wanna do this? I was like, sure, let's give it a try, okay? And so, so I can't really describe what happened that morning, except it is when I figured out who I was, right, and who God called me to be. Um, And I was at a smaller church then, about 150 people. It's back when we still did sort of those altar calls at the end of, you know, feel like God's stirring, you wanna pray about something. Y'all, literally the whole church came to pray. And there was a guy that was visiting from out of town. He just stopped and he's like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. And I was like, ooh, this is who I am. I, you know, I'm called to be. Guess what? It would be 10 years, 10 years before I stepped in a pulpit again and preached. And it took me a while to understand that that was actually God's grace on my life because I had idols, I had idols. And if God had not exposed those idols, if he hadn't tested me in the ways that he tested me, I would have used my calling from him to serve myself. My need for affirmation, esteem, to feel worth of purpose rather than to serve God. Answering this question, whom we serve, takes courage because it puts our own gods to the test to expose anything lurking that we can't see. And it tests whether our service is really and truly wholeheartedly for God alone or whether we're also, right, wavering and serving something or someone else. If you don't hear anything I tell you this morning, I want you to know that when God exposed the false idol that the people of Israel were serving, and when God exposes idols in our lives, he is not doing it to condemn us. He is not doing it to judge us. He is not doing it to shame us, all right? He's doing it to repair us, to restore us, to heal us. Remember I told you to think about this and we're gonna come back to it in verse 30. Elijah repaired to offer the sacrifice. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. And when he prayed for God to reveal the truth, right? He said, answer me, Lord, answer me so that the people will know that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
God's not trying to condemn us. He's not trying to shame us. He's trying to restore us so that we can actually boldly go when he says go and when he says go here, that we can respond in confidence, knowing that we know that we know that we know that no mission, not even bringing truth in 2021 is impossible. That leaves us with one more question, right? It's good to know that we can confidently go and it's good to know that when we get there, we're serving God. But the question is, right? What do we actually do when we get there? How do we serve? And we have to ask ourselves that question, right? How we serve? Because speaking truth is not our issue. It's not a problem. People speak all kinds of truth all the time, right? Um, Everyone's saying everything. In fact, I like to, to talk and to do these things, but in the last several years, I don't say anything. I'm so exhausted, right, from all the truth that's being spoken. And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying speaking truth is not our problem. Our problem is communicating truth, right? Communicating means ascending and a receiving of the message. So we're very good senders, okay? But we're not doing a good job of being received. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how do we serve? If our mission is to bring clarity around the truth of God, then it's not just about knowing truth, and it's not just about speaking truth, it's about living truth. And so for that, we're going to look at the other person that this story is about in 1 Kings. He's actually the focal point of the story. He's the focal point of every story in the Bible. He too was sent He was sent from heaven. He came to earth on a mission, not just to bring truth, but to be truth. He was a prophet like Elijah, but he was a greater prophet because he didn't just come to offer a sacrifice. He came to be a sacrifice, right? And we see him in this story on the altar being consumed by fire that fell from heaven. And if you're not following me, I'm talking about Jesus, Right, And so if we're looking at how we serve, then we probably aren't to start by asking the question, we're gonna do it this morning, y'all. What would Jesus do, right? I am really gonna go there. I am really gonna go there. How would he serve? I'm so glad you asked. How would he do it? How would he do what we've been called to do? And before I read from you the scripture that I promise every time I preach, I won't preach on, I'm sorry, it's coming up. I mean, it just, I just can't escape it. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about that thing. I want you to think about the truth, that truth that you have. And I'm, not, I'm talking about truth with a little T right now, but I'm talking about that thing, that issue that you're passionate about, right? That maybe you, um, you are activists for or whatever it is, or maybe you just wanna speak out against. And it is, it's one of those things, it's one of those issues where maybe you don't even see how people could be Christian and take the other side of that truth. Okay, and then you're thinking my mission, right, is to speak truth, it's to bring clarity, it's to do these things, all right? And I want you to hold on to that. I've got a ton of them, y'all. Y'all might just have one, I've got so many, right? (laughs) And I want you to hold on to that. And then when we say, okay, how do we serve? How do we serve around that thing, about other things around truth? And then I'm gonna read from you from Philippians 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to death, right? Even 
even death on the cross, not just death, but a humiliating death. Philippians 2 doesn't just tell us what Jesus would do, it tells us what he did do, right? And that's what he's calling us to do. And you might be thinking, well, Tina, are you asking us to compromise what we believe in to serve? Nope. But I am asking you if how we serve has become more about what we believe than who we believe. There's truth with a little T and there's truth with a big T. One is a what, the other one's a who. And the mission is gonna remain impossible as long as we serve and how we serve is about what and not the who. Now, my husband put this to me a few years after we were married. I don't think he knew that he was invoking Philippians 2 when he did it, but you know I'm a lawyer, all right? I love to argue. I love to win arguments. I have lots of opinions. I'm pretty sure I'm right about all of them. And it's my job to convince you of that. And I love arguing so much that I actually got a job that paid me to do it. And then they honed my skills and then I got married. And so we're having intense fellowship one day. We're having a discussion in the car. And I, 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 it's, it was such a profound moment that I literally remember where we were. Like we were pulling, we were in the car, we were pulling into the garage where we live. My husband put the car in park and he looked over at me and he said, you know, just because you can win every argument doesn't make it right. That's Philippians 2, right? And he was asking me, right? What is more important here to you? Being right or our relationship? And I'm gonna tell you, holding that tension is not easy, especially when you're right all the time. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But it's not easy, right, to hold fast to what you believe in, what you passionately believe in, without actually having to be right for the sake of our relationships. But the question that I wanna ask is, what if wrestling with that tension, what if being willing to wrestle with that tension is how the fire really falls? What if that is how truth is really revealed because it reveals the truth of who God really is? and how he loves us, how he's called us to love each other, right? How he came, how he died to restore our relationships with him and each other, changing and healing our hearts, yeah? So what's it gonna take, right, to bring clarity in today's world, right? To make an impossible mission possible, it's gonna take us serving. Maybe not the way we wanna serve or prefer to serve, but in the way that he's called us to serve. And it's gonna take us having the courage to question and to test ourselves and our hearts and saying, whom do I serve? Whom do we serve? Are we really serving God or are we wavering back and forth? And then it's gonna take us saying, you know what, how are we gonna serve? Are we gonna serve the way that he served us? And y'all, I promise you, and I'm actually kind of excited because I'll tell you the truth. I've been wrestling with how we break through in 2021. I really have, and I've struggled because I can have all the opinions in the world. I can think I'm right all day long, but that is not cutting it. I'm just gonna tell you, fire is not falling from heaven the way we're doing it, right? And so the question is, as a church, 
as a church, can we do as he did? Can we serve as he did? Who being in very nature, God, y'all, he who knew no sin became sin for us. What are we willing to do? How are we willing to serve? Let's pray. God, thank you. God, just thank you for showing us through your son, your love. And we just pray for us as a people, as a church, God, that we would truly give ourselves away. God, that we would find the humility that it takes, the courage that it takes, the strength that it takes, all the things, God, to serve out and live our mission for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.